when you've never done something before, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to sometimes put your foot in your mouth. You're going to wish you did something, you know, versus something else. It's all part of making mistakes and learning. You know, if we don't put ourselves in those situations, we can't grow. What fuels a multi-passionate life? I'm Jessica Wan, and in this podcast, I interview people who straddle two completely different worlds. I call them ampersands, and we are collectively designing the Ampersand Manifesto. Back in November 2020, in the depths of the COVID-19 pandemic, I got a message from one of the moms in our mini school pod. Do you want to join me for a 60-day challenge? That's how I met Rachie Lee. In those 60 days, I got fit in a way that I'd actually never thought possible. Over the next year, Rachie and I became friends, and I realized she's an ampersand. Not only is she an incredible fitness coach, she's a former foster youth attorney and educator who's now running for the Berkeley School Board in November 2022. Straddling these worlds of personal fitness and public education, what brings it all together for Rachie is a deep belief that humans can defy limits. I'm so inspired by her and how she lifts up others. Rachie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jessica, for having me. It's an honor to be here. Rachie, defy limits is your key message for your Berkeley School Board campaign. And I also feel like it was a theme throughout all of our workouts. Can you explain what defy limits actually means? Defy limits to me means defying not necessarily outside barriers, but your own internal barriers. Oftentimes, whether it's through life experience or upbringing or things that have happened in our lives, we have bought into a certain narrative about what we're able to do, what we can do, and oftentimes what we like and prefer to do. And so the concept of defining limits, it's to frankly take a pause and to really examine that, right? Whether that is really true and whether you are willing to go out of your comfort zone to perhaps discover something new, to discover something different about yourself. So in the workout side, we have a friend, a common friend in our community who initially wanted to join our workout community, but said in very clear terms um, to me, Rachie, I don't like to work out. It makes me uncomfortable. And she said, you know, I especially really don't like to run. So I want to get fit, but you know, these are my limits and these are my parameters. They're non-negotiable. And I said, okay, well, let's begin the journey and see what we discover, right? And you don't have to do anything you're uncomfortable with or you don't want to do. And so through participating in our workout group and starting to do some of our bootcamp classes, our bootcamp classes has a little bit of running, you know, it has other forms of cardio, right? And most times when we're doing cardio, it's not the most comfortable thing, you know, but people get through it. Um, but importantly, people feel amazing after the workout. And so what she discovered was that she loved the feeling of working out. And so it became more of, you know, I love the feeling of working out, 
even if during the workout I'm feeling discomfort, right? Because the feeling of joy, the feeling of satisfaction after the workout um, really, you know, trumped everything else. Today, now, I think after having worked out together um, and been part of each other's community for a couple of years now, she is now, you know, fully bought in, you know, she's now a runner, you know, but she does many other things, but running is part of her workout as well as other cross training activities. And so she's now a lifelong athlete. In your past role at Golden Gate University, you designed and led a program to help struggling students. How did they defy limits? Defy limits on the other side, I'll give you another example, um, was a student of mine in law school who had a lot of personal barriers. You know, she had a lot of hardship in her life that she was dealing with at the time, including financially and physically supporting an elderly grandfather and a sibling. Being on financial aid, meaning being kind of at the whim of when financial aid comes in before she's able to buy school supplies and to pay for some of the other things necessary to to go to school. And she was the first in her family to go to college and certainly the first in her family to attend law school. And even by, you know, just kind of logistically schedule wise, she really didn't have a lot of time because she was caregiving, you know, for these other people in her life, you know, but I I worked with her and worked with her, meaning that we met um, to go over her schoolwork because she said it's been a while since she's been in school. And so she needed some help. And by the end, she received the top grade in that class. And now fast forward, it's been a couple of years. She graduated from law school. She took the California bar exam and is now a successful lawyer of her own law firm. And so that's a perfect example, I think, of defying not only outside barriers, but also barriers in terms of what you think you're able to accomplish. She is defy limits defined. You are part of an organization called Emerge California. Tell us more about that community. How has it helped you as a woman of color running for office for the first time? As a woman of color, and frankly, as a woman, we often are not expected to or even raised to or told that we can do something like run for office. Certainly, the way I was raised, something like running for office was not on the table. And I frankly didn't know anybody around me that had a similar background or looked like me, et cetera, that ran for office. So it certainly was nothing that I grew up around. Emerge California recognizes that, that for a lot of women, we don't have those kind of role models. We didn't grow up thinking that this is something that we can do. They also recognize that real change begin with real people and real experiences. And so what Emerge does is they recruit and they train women and women of color on the nuts and bolts of how to run for office so that more women see that it's a real possibility for them. And through the training, women also develop the networks and the contacts and the relationships to help carry them forward if they decide that running for office is the right thing for them. So I'm extremely grateful to have gone through the program. 
it's given me the skill set to run for office, um, but it's also changed how I view politics and who should be involved in politics and who should run. Because I think um, so many of our electeds, unfortunately, don't represent uh, real lives. And we need to have more leaders who understand the experiences of, of real people and to advocate, you know, for us, especially those who are less visible. Absolutely. I follow you on social media, of course, and I see just even the faces of the people in the Emerge program. And I just think, oh my goodness, here are people who look like me, who have, you know, shared experiences and understand what it's like for working moms and for, you know, people who come from immigrant backgrounds. So I'm, I'm thankful as well, just even as, as a voter and as a citizen. So if you are elected into the Berkeley School Board, you would be the first woman of AAPI descent ever to be on the school board, which, by the way, is mind boggling to me. What do you think this would mean for your kids and for Asian American girls? I think for for all children, really, to see that, first of all, somebody who doesn't look like the typical leader, at least not at, at this time in our country's history. It's an incredible thing for all children to be able to see that. And so when we have representation from AEPIs and from other ethnic and racial groups, that's what it shows children, that it's actually possible. And not only is it possible, perhaps it's possible for them. And so I think that's extremely powerful. Now for um, Asian American representation, I think it's especially important because there are still so few of us. It's becoming more in certain areas of government. In local government, I believe there's been a slight increase in city government, there's been an increase, you know, but for example, in the California legislature, there currently is not an AAPI female Democrat, which is really unfortunate. And it's something that we need to change. And so as the positions beyond the state legislature, as we get into the federal government, there's less and less Asian representation. Uh, although the school board is on a local level, it's an important step. It's an important pillar in our democracy to have AAPI representation. So I'm really thrilled that if I do get elected, that I would be the first. And certainly after that, I, I'm certain that, you know, I wouldn't be the last. Yeah, for sure. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your fitness life. How did you get started? teaching workout classes and kind of going from somebody who, you know, obviously really cares about your own fitness and kind of stays fit, but to really being the coach and the teacher. I started my fitness journey as a personal journey. So in my 20s, I really enjoyed the feeling of what you would get, you know, kind of after a workout, you know, a sense of personal satisfaction, also a, a sense of joy and a sense of calm. And so right away, you know, physical fitness was a pathway to 
mental wellness. And when I was younger, I didn't articulate it as such. I thought of, you know, physical fitness as, you know, I'm getting physically fit. But really what was that I felt happier. I felt more at ease. I felt hopeful. And so that led to me really wanting to share that with other people and keep expanding the community of people that got to enjoy the benefits of um, physical wellness. Something that strikes me, and you you just hit on it, is this word community. And I think this is what was so transformative for me with the 60-day challenge. I've done a lot of exercise classes, right? But having a WhatsApp group and just meeting people through our shared experience of getting fitter. And a few months back, I got to meet your Claremont workout crew. So you've been teaching fitness classes at the Claremont Hotel for many, many years. And you have this wonderful community of people who have all become friends with you and friends with each other. What do you think is a common thread for the people who keep working out with you? I think the common thread is that at our core, human beings are good and human beings are kind and human beings want to share good things with other people. I think it comes down to that. And when you have something that gives you joy, when you have, for example, found a workout or a class or some sort of an activity that made you feel really good or you saw results, right? Something positive about it. As humans, we want to share that with others, right? It gives us a sense of joy when other people derive joy from something we experienced ourselves. What fuels you to keep going with both your work as a fitness coach and in your campaign for BUSD as a fighter for kids? Those two things may seem really different, you know, being a fitness coach and then running for school board or being a a children's advocate. But really at the core is that I personally enjoy supporting other people's success. You know, the way I grew up and what I've always thought was that you have benchmarks for yourself and it's really about your own success and there's different benchmarks to reach, you know, on this path of personal success. But through my work with foster youth and through my work as an educator and through my work as a fitness coach, I have found more satisfaction when I am a part of, a witness to somebody else's success. The type of joy you get from being a part of that lasts way beyond any type of, you know, kind of personal goal or personal accomplishment. Rachie, as I've been doing interviews for this podcast, I've been realizing for myself how much I have kind of hidden one part of myself from another, just depending on context, right? Like if I'm in a group of singers, I don't usually talk about that I have an MBA, right? And I get the sense that you have also been this way. Like when you're at the Claremont, you are fitness coach, Rachie 100%. And when you're on the campaign trail, you are you know, running for office 100%. What's it like to think about embodying both? Hi there, listener. 
let's pause for a moment so you can reflect on this question. What identities do you embody? Outside of hosting this podcast, I coach leaders in the workplace to navigate change, thrive in their roles, and stay true to their values. And I love working with ampersands. If any of this intrigues you, reach out to me at jessicawan.com. J-E-S-S-I-C-A-W-A-N. Now, back to the show. What's it like to think about embodying both? Well, you know, I do embody both. It's just that most people don't know about it. And so even having to come on this interview to talk about both and to talk about the commonality between those two worlds that I tend to keep very separate is is challenging because it's something that I haven't articulated to other people. And so in my fitness world, I'm a fitness instructor and we talk about working out. We talk about wellness. I never say, hey, I'm a lawyer, you know, or I'm running for office. It's just, it's not part of the dialogue and it's not, it's not the universe that we're in together. And so while I don't think it turns people off, it's just, it's, it's almost easier to, to keep it separate. It allows me to embody that particular identity fully. And so similarly, as I'm running for office and talking about my experience as a child welfare attorney, as a former educator who supported students around academic success, I don't then say, hey, by the way, I teach boot camp class at 6 a.m. That would just be really weird <laughs> to, to bring that up. Um, but because of what they share, right? The core of why I do these two things, which is I want to be a part of and I want to support other people's success, that I derive a lot of joy and satisfaction from helping other people uh, through their transformations and to help them find however they define their personal success, whether it's in a fitness world or whether it's academic success or some sort of success with respect to education. I have found actually that now that I'm running for office talking about these things, that there's a lot of commonality. And so interestingly enough, in about two weeks, I'm going to be doing a house party that's hosted by a community member, a community member who met me heard about my child welfare experience and thought, oh, you seem like a really great candidate. You seem like a experienced candidate. You know, let's get to know each other. And I don't know how it came up. I think I knew that he was a former tennis player. And so I said to him, that's wonderful that you used to play tennis for Berkeley High and you still play tennis now, decades later. You know, I love working out too. I love physical fitness because physical fitness is a path to mental wellness. And I know that because I'm a, I'm a fitness coach. You should have seen the expression on his face. He was like, what? You're a fitness coach? And somehow just it just made us bond uh, in a way that wasn't there before. And so now the house party, our theme is athletes for life, meaning that once you have, you know, a quote unquote athlete mentality, what is that mentality? That's a mentality that you can do anything you put your mind to, that you're willing to do hard work to accomplish anything. Being an athlete, having that mentality is a mentality that you have for life. And once on the path of physical wellness, you then are on the path of mental wellness 
for the rest of your life. And so our house party, interestingly, for the campaign, uh, will now incorporate those two aspects of, of my life. It strikes me that it's going to be a bunch of people who are kind of like you, athletes who really care about education and what could be better. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's right. So it, it, had I not revealed that other aspect of myself that I normally kind of keep secret or kind of keep separated, if you will, we would never have connected in this way. You know, perhaps maybe this this can go into the manifesto too, is that, you know, these may be two very different things to you, but really remember the core of what connects them and don't be shy about sharing that and having your worlds cross because having those worlds cross may bring about additional opportunities, additional relationships, you know, new things that you would never have had the benefit of had you not let those two worlds intersect. You and I have talked a lot in the past year about big career pivots in our 40s. How did you put together that running for school board was actually the right next step for you? Yeah, I think it's not uh, a coincidence that that realization came in my 40s. Because in your midlife, you have the hindsight of experience. You also have the benefit of having a stronger sense of your own identity. And in your midlife, because of the experience, and because you have a firmer sense of your own identity, you're also more able to make choices for yourself based on your own values, based on your own desires, as opposed to perhaps living somebody else's dreams and expectations, or what what you think society would map out, you know, as a successful life. And so you know, realizing that running for school board was the right step for me. In other words, um, I really wanted to be in service of young people, in service of children in the public school system, something that I never thought of before. It makes a lot of sense to me that I thought about it now in midlife because I have a firmer identity and I have a much better sense of what makes me really happy. Yeah, this is the core of Rachie Lee, right? And running for school board, that makes sense right now. This feels so much, you know, true to the core of you and really being an advocate and a fighter for kids. So I, I just applaud you for all that you are taking on. Thank you. What advice do you have for people who are pursuing or thinking of pursuing the ampersand lifestyle and straddling two completely different worlds. When you're an ampersand, the chances are you're really good at what you do. Both of those things, whatever that ampersand co connects. And that's why we keep doing it because we're good at it. But my advice and the advice that I really kind of give to myself is that, you know, don't forget that there's always room to grow. Even if you're really good at what you do, don't forget that there's stuff that you still don't know and that you haven't reached the end of your own knowledge and your own growth. 
And so my advice is always be willing to be a lifelong student. I think about what you said in the beginning about reinvention, and that's a way that's a forcing factor, actually, right? To to force yourself to grow, to force yourself to kind of put on this new outfit and see how it fits, and and realize what needs to be kind of adjusted to to make it your own. Yeah, that's right, and. I was very, I guess, accustomed or good at, if you will, of being a youth advocate because I had done it for many years and it's something that I was passionate about that drove me. But I've never run for office and it's been really, frankly, uncomfortable doing something that you've never done before. And when you've never done something before, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to sometimes put your foot in your mouth. You're going to wish you did something, you know, versus something else. It's all part of making mistakes and learning. You know, if we don't put ourselves in those situations, we can't grow, right? We can't grow beyond who we currently are. And so even though it's very humbling to make mistakes and humbling to do something uncomfortable, and humbling to do something that you're not automatically good at. It's important to put yourself in that situation and give yourself the opportunity to grow. Because I believe at the end, well, we'll see <laughs> after the election, but I already feel a big difference between when I first started and where I am now. And there has been a lot of growth. Growth um, with respect to my understanding about myself, growth about my understanding of the people around me and my community. Always be growing, always be learning. I'm also hearing, don't be afraid of failure. You will make mistakes along the way, but this is how you grow. What else do you think should be in the ampersand manifesto? For sure, for me, that manifesto is remember your why. You have to have a very clear and grounded understanding a truthful understanding of your why, especially when things get hard. I have a reminder on my calendar. It comes up once a week uh, that says, Rachie, are you still in it for the right reasons or are you full of shit <laughs> now? <laughs> you know, every week it comes up and I'm like, oh, am I still in it and in it for right now means running for office. Okay. So am I still running for office for the right reasons? Or have I bought into a narrative that I have created that really isn't ultimately truthful or authentic? Right. And so I think remembering your why, the real why, um, is, is really uh, an important guiding light because it's going to serve you when it gets hard and when you make mistakes and when things don't go the way that you want it to go. If you have a strong why, you'll go back and you'll keep doing it. Rachie, it's been such a pleasure talking with you today. Folks, you can check out Rachie at rachielee.com. That's R-E-I-C-H-I-L-E-E.com. And if you live in Berkeley, remember that our school board election is coming up in November 2022. If you liked this show, hit like, subscribe, and share with your friends and fellow ampersands. I had a chance to reflect on my interview with Rachie and wanted to share a few key takeaways. 
Being an ampersand can help you bond with other humans in unexpected ways. Rachie connected with a tennis coach as part of her campaign, and he was so surprised that she also teaches fitness classes. They're now hosting an event called Athletes for Life. I totally get how it feels bizarre to reveal another part of yourself out of context. At the same time, perhaps our ampersands are what allow us to dive a little deeper, a little faster. I realized that one of the reasons I admire Rachie so much is because she walks the talk. Her campaign tagline is Defy Limits, and this is exactly what she's doing, running for office, having come from a background where that previously was not even on the table. Lastly, her practice of reminding herself of her why really resonates with me. Many of us go through the exercise of defining our why, but along the way, life happens, and sometimes we find ourselves uh, away from this why. We find that we have meandered away from our guiding light. I love how Rachi uses her weekly reminder to keep her integrity and authenticity intact. It's a great tip for leaders in all fields. When you are willing to put perhaps somebody else's happiness before your own, somebody else's success before your own. And when you're willing and able to do that, everything else belongs to you because that's where the deepest joy and satisfaction comes from.